I have this, uh, the last of our in series on uh, this morning, and I'm just really, really excited about this because I feel like there's something in the heart of God for some of the people in this room. There is a somewhat of a laser focus uh, that I think the Lord is going to minister to you. And if you would dare to open up your heart and say, Lord, would you minister to me? I think for some of you, this is going to be a key day. Uh, I'm entirely thrilled with the, with the truth that while I'm up here talking, the Holy Spirit is down there walking among you and ministering. Are you happy with that? I'm like really excited about that part because if the Holy Spirit were to walk and, and grab hold of your heart and mind and, and uh, set your spirit ablaze or to speak directly to you, that, that makes all the difference. So if you'd open your heart to that, I think that's what he's gonna be doing. Who I am in his kingdom. We've been looking at the profound beauty in this series about being in. Because there are two modes. You're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. And you're either in the kingdom or you're not in the kingdom. And that's, that's a radical difference. We've been looking at that. We've understood that every blessing that God has for us and every intention of his kind purpose has been jammed into this estate that is called being in Christ. If you're in Christ, then all that is jam-packed into that estate, it can be accessed by us. If you're outside of Christ, none of that is accessible to you because it's in Christ. So uh, God gave us grace, he chose us, he put us to death, he raised us to new life, he seated us, he filled us, he blessed us, he commissioned us, he gave us authority, and he promised to never leave us or forsake us. And that's all in Christ. And so this drastic, all-inclusive transformation that happens in somebody's life when you come into Christ changes your person, your position, your potential, everything becomes new. And that's the gospel that we preach, which is why it makes us happy. It's good news. It's not bad news, it's good news. So we, we looked at then that once you're in Christ, that there was going to be some wisdom points. Once you step into this massive glorious inheritance that is in Christ, you and I are gonna have to learn how to manage all of this. Because although it's all ours by inheritance, you can mess up an inheritance. How, how many of you know that? If you're not prepared, if you're not acting wisely, you can really squander an inheritance. And so the point is, God didn't send his son Jesus to earn this massive inheritance and then want to just dump it on you and you can, you can flare out. He means for you to walk wisely. And so there's this adventure of wisdom. And Paul said, we do have a message of wisdom for the mature. So once you're in Christ, we can talk about this. But we have to take care how we live because not everything that is lawful is, sorry, I've got water dripping on my pulpit here. Sorry, let me just, sorry about that. I keep touching it and I keep, feels like there's a dog licking my hand on the pulpit the whole time. <laughs> sorry about that. <clears throat> Thank you. That's very nice. Ah, all right. <laughs> not everything that's lawful for me is liberating. Not everything that's lawful is helpful. Well, I, I, who, I'm in Christ, I can do that. Yeah, but it's gonna hurt you, so don't do that. It's not wise. But who, you can't tell me what to do. Well, I, I think I do have some wisdom, Paul said. I think that I also have the spirit of Christ. I, I think this is gonna help you. Now, you know, I can do it. And go, well, if you, if you do that, you're probably gonna hurt yourself. No, I am, boom. Lawful, not liberating. Paul said, I, everything is permissible for me, but I'm not gonna be mastered by anything. 
I will not bow down to any other God. The Lord Jesus Christ I'll bow down to, nothing else. So while I'm free to do a lot of things, not everything that I'm free to do is gonna be helpful to me, all right? So we looked at that and we've looked at this reality that you can be in Christ and your embrace of that identity is an important issue in your spiritual growth and development. You must embrace who you are in Christ. There are new creation realities for you, and there is a, a portion of the church that will preach the gospel about your, how terrible and how broken and how horrible you are and irredeemable you are in your sin, and that is the absolute truth until the very second you came into Christ, because that very second Second you came into Christ, everything became new about you. And I don't ever wanna hear somebody who's in Christ being preached to as though they're a terrible person because that second you came into Christ, everything about your life became brand spanking new. And you have the favor of God and his delight is in you. You know why? Because you believed in his son. So, you're also going to have to embrace who you are in his kingdom. Who you are in Christ is a profound gift that all of us share, but who you are called to be in his kingdom is unique calling and purpose for your life. God has a dream for your life and he has a place for you in his body. And the Bible says again and again, whenever it talks about the body of Christ, that he has arranged the parts of the body, every single one of them exactly as he wanted them to be. So you're gonna to have to recognize that I'm gonna to have to step into my identity in Christ, but in addition, I also have to learn and pursue and embrace my identity in his kingdom. And I have to prioritize God's word to me in order to get that right. What he has to say about who I am is really the only consideration that can be trusted because there's a lot of people that would like to define you if you lent them your ear. The enemy, the devil would love to define you if you give him time. He would love the opportunity, don't give it to him. Give it to the Holy Spirit. We've said it before and I'll say it again. It's not the names that people call you that define you, it's the names that you choose to answer to that define you. Do not answer to the enemy's call, answer to what the Holy Spirit says. And what the Holy Spirit says about you when you're in Christ will astound you. You won't even believe. You'll wanna pinch yourself that it's too good to be true. But listen to the Holy Spirit. So I wanna turn our attention today at the unique calling that God has on each of us. Your place in his kingdom, his purposes for your life. I don't know if you've ever been one of those people who finds themselves saying, I have time, but I don't know why. Provision without purpose is seldom put to good use. I got all this money, I don't know what to do with it. I have all this time, what should I do? I don't know. If you don't have purpose, provision is not usually well used. Purpose validates what God puts into your life. And if you don't have a clarity about the reason why God called you and the reason why he's put your giftings and your passions in your life, then that usually doesn't end up as well as it could be. So we have to commit our lives to this great purpose. It is your job and my job to discover and embrace the, the purpose for which I was created. So I'll make yourself a pledge to pursue your purpose. 
go out, well, Greg, isn't that arrogant? No, that is an important piece of you discovering why God made you. I have unique giftings, I have unique passions, as do you, and the things that move me, that blow my hair back, that stir my heart, may not necessarily stir yours, and that's fine, but you have to find and pursue and walk in the things that God has called you to. When you discover purpose, you'll find congruence and joy like you will find in no other space. And that is on you and it's on me. I must pursue purpose. I must pursue God's dream for my life. And it doesn't necessarily just happen because I want it to, it happens because I hunt it down. I go and wait on the Lord, I seek His face. I go, Lord, you have to help me. But I had to make a pledge. I'm gonna go after the purposes of God for my life. First off, I want us to focus on that fact. There is a unique assignment for you. There are, in fact, thousands of unique things that God has dreamed up for your life. And God has aimed and dreamt to make your life fruitful, to give you the immense satisfaction of performing and accomplishing the things that he created you to do. Because there is purpose in what Jesus creates. Everything Jesus makes is endued with purpose. So how do you know I have purpose? Because I can see you sitting there. The fact that you were created means that there is purpose and the potential of each special ability that God built into you and the passions that lie in your heart will point you to his purpose. Because Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were created, God had a dream for you, the works that you were gonna accomplish. And so when God created you and when he recreated you in Christ, it was towards the purposes that he dreamed for you. He created things for you to do before you were born. I don't make that up, I'm just reading the Bible. Some of you are looking like, that's weird. No, I'm just reading the Bible. You were created to walk in pre-prepared good works. Think on that. God has planned for you with your uniqueness and your skill sets to do good things. He set you up to win and all you have to do is be yourself. Oh, I love this part. I can be me and be fruitful. Half my Christian life, I spent trying to undo being me. Oh, because me, they told me, was sinful and ugly and needed to be put to death. So I spent the first half of my Christian life trying not to be me, trying to be somebody else. And then I found out, no, God has a purpose for me. He wired me like this. He gave me these passions, and I have to be diligent, and I have to work hard, and I have to do everything in my power. I have to pursue, but I have to be me. God's dream for you is that you... Being you will be fruitful. I like that too much. And your purpose is designed, listen to this, hear me. Your purpose in God is designed to affect history and eternity. This age and the age that is to come, this and every other generation. In other words, your pursuit of this purpose is worth it. Everything that is created had a purpose before it had form. In the mind of the manufacturer is an idea, a solution to a need, a reason for it to be created. So purpose comes before production. Does that make sense? 
So the purpose and design in the mind of the designer is what defines how successful the product is. Right? I went and bought a coffee whisk, one of those little things to make your zhuzhi coffee. And if somebody doesn't know what that is and they decide, I know what this is, this is a paintbrush. You dip it in the paint and you on the wall and it makes, but because they don't understand the purpose for which it was created, they go, you know, this paintbrush was not very well designed. It should have a paint guard to preserve me and my clothing from the splatter and a thing to gather all the paint. And so they start criticizing this milk frother because it's, they think it's supposed to be painting. It makes pretty things on the wall, but splatters my glasses. Not a very good paintbrush. If you don't understand the design and the purpose for which you were created, you start to use your giftings, your passions for things that not, you weren't necessarily created for, and there comes the problem. Because everything that God did, all creation is similarly endued with purpose, and the purpose for which God created it will define its success or non-success. For you to discover God's call and purpose on your life are vital and will require deliberate pursuit and seizure for you to attain it and to maintain it. Psalm 32, eight, love this. The Lord said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Excuse me. There is a way that you should go and there is a way that I should go. And, and we're all marching in the same general direction to, be, to show forth the praises of him who called us to become like Jesus. But my pathway and your pathway might be very different pathways. And he said, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. God has committed himself to be the one who instructs you in the specific way that you should walk. And his presence and his guidance and his counsel and his loving eye, he said, I will put them on you. I will walk this with you. Some of you should be dancing right now because some of you are sitting there and saying, I'm not really sure what my purpose is, but you stand under the promise of a God who said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go and I will counsel you and I, with my loving eye on you. Some of you should just reach up and grab hold of that promise and take it for this week and say, Lord, I'm coming. I need you to show me. I need you to speak with me. I need you to stir me. I need you to help me. I need you to move me in whatever way. I have something else to say because I felt like there were some people in this place that need to hear this. God's purpose for your life is irrevocable. Doesn't take it away. <laughs> because it's the only way that you can attain eternal fruit. When you start to do the things that Jesus created you for, that's how you create eternal fruit. So Jesus never takes that opportunity away from you. God's purpose in your life is irrevocable and his purposes will remain. You are not too old and not too far gone to return to God's purpose for your life. You say, well, Greg, you don't understand how much sin I've committed. Well, then I want to introduce you to the great redeemer. Well, you don't know how far I've run away. Let me introduce you to the great restorer. You don't know how many mistakes I've made. Let me introduce you to the loving Father of heaven because there is a power and a glory that he has that nothing you could do could come close to matching. His purpose for you doesn't disappear just because you disappointed yourself for him. See right there, that just makes me happy. Not a single person within the sound of my voice that I cannot boldly declare to you, 
You can turn back to the purpose of God on your life at any stage. Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for. Why? Because it is God who is at work in you to do two things, to will and to act, to give you desires and to give you ability to act according to what? Your, your desires, your, your dreams? No, according to his good purpose. God will work in us tirelessly to achieve his purpose. Not just for us personally, but for us as a community. His agenda on the earth in our lives. His, he works desires and abilities in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. And God intends for you to be fruitful. He created you specifically to be fruitful in the role that he called you to do. With the gifting he gave, with the opportunities that he opens before you. So Jesus said to his disciples, John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. People say, well, I found God. No, you didn't. He chased you around. He picked you out of the mud. He cleansed you off. He brought you into his presence. He showed you how kind he was. He gave you grace. He gave you faith. And you go, yes, look what I did. No, you just said, yes, the last piece. God, you, I found God. No, he, he chased you down. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I've appointed you. Go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Paul said in Philippians 1, if I'm, going to, if I'm going to remain in this body, you know what that means? It's fruitful labor for me. Because Paul understood. God gave me time on this planet and, the, and I keep saying, Lord, take me home. And he goes, no, stay there. He goes, okay, well, there must be purpose because God gave me time. If I'm gonna stay here, it means fruitful labor. It means there's purpose. Some of you, you're going, I don't know how I'm still alive. Let me tell you why. Do you wanna know why? Because God has a dream for you. And he won't give it up. But we cannot measure our faithfulness against one another's definitions. That makes sense? I can't measure how faithful, how fulfilled, how beautiful is the call of God on my life by, by measuring it against somebody else's because this is a completely different measurement. And at the same time, I cannot expect to measure my own life alone. Because my purpose is designed to fit within a grander scheme. A car battery is designed, and it's got an intricate design and a purpose, which will only find its fulfillment in the context of a car. And so when that ignition is primed, the car battery makes its contribution. Otherwise, it's just a really awkward paperweight. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't have purpose. So we need you. And you need us because your purpose will never be realized in isolation. Okay, I, listen to me. I have so much to say and not enough time. Your fulfillment in life, listen to me, I know what I'm talking about, depends on becoming and doing all that you were called to be and do. Let me say it again. Your fulfillment in life depends on you becoming and doing all you were called to do. Because anything else, as successful as it may be, will leave you empty. Purpose, when you're endued with purpose, that purpose creates a void, a hunger in you that is, it wants to be filled. 
So I can be tremendously successful by any human standard of measurement and yet be unfulfilled. So I say again, fulfillment will come from purpose. Your fulfillment will come when you, when you accept who Jesus called you to be and you step into the role that he assigns for you. That's where you find fulfillment. But I don't want fulfillment, I want to be rich. I know a lot of really wealthy people who are wholly unfulfilled, and so do you. I'm not anti-rich people, I'm for fulfilled rich people. Amen? I wanna be one of them. A fulfilled, prospered person because I'm walking in the call of God. Not necessarily for everyone. And if we're to come fully alive and to overflow with a congruent joy in our life, then in addition to being diligent with my life and working hard, I also need to turn and start pursuing what my purpose is, what God has called me to be. Because purpose has a time and a team for its fulfillment. Purpose has a time and a team. Ecclesiastes 3. There is, to everything, to everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. When God endued you with purpose, when God had a dream, when he had prepared works in advance for you to do and then he created you and then he recreated you in Christ, he's saying, this, I have a dream for you and he provides what is necessary for you to accomplish the reason he created you. He's going to add to your life time and talent and treasure so that you can walk in everything that he's dreamed for you so that when you walk faithfully in what he dreamed for you, you finish it up wholly fulfilled and you get into his presence and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's how kind he is. Oh, I just wanna be a servant of the Lord. Yeah, so do I. I gave my whole life to do that. And you know what? The most fulfilled I've ever been in my life is when I'm walking in the very thing that he created me to do. That's the place where I find the most congruent joy. That's where I feel whole. That's where my life makes sense. That's where I celebrate with all my heart. Do you know that it takes over 200 muscles to take one step? Let me read this to you. The first part of taking a step is that your heel strikes the ground. The strike in the heel stage, the foot hits the ground heel first, and three muscular sets are involved, each acting at different joints. Your gluteus maximus acts on your hip to decelerate the forward motion of the lower limb. Your quadriceps femoris keeps the leg extended at the knee and at the thigh, but flexed at the hip. Those have to be stiff, this one has to be moving. The anterior compartment of the leg maintains the ankle dorsiflexion position for the heel to strike. Now, after the heel strike stage, the rest of the leading foot hits the ground and the muscles work to cope with a force passing through the leg. This is known as the support stage. The quadriceptus femoris stabilizes the knee in extension, supporting the weight of the body, and foot inverters and the everters contract in balanced manner to stabilize the foot. Your gluteus minimus, gluteus medius, and tensor fasciolata abduct the lower limb. Their contraction keeps the pelvis level by counteracting the imbalance created from having most of the body weight on one leg. In the toe-off stage, 
The foot prepares to leave the ground, heel first, toes last, and your hamstring muscles extend at the thigh and at the hip. Your quadriceps femoris maintains an extended position of the knee and your posterior compartment of the leg, the plantar flexus of the ankle. The prime movers include gastrocnemius, soleus, and tibialis posterior. The doctors are gonna throw their toys at me. Once the foot has left the ground, the lower limb is raised in preparation for the swing stage and your elipiosius rectus femoris flexes the thigh at the hip, driving the knee forwards. Your hamstring muscles flexes the leg at the knee joint and your anterior compartment of the legs dorsiflexes the ankle. In the swing phase, the raised leg is propelled forward. This is where the forward work, you get the idea. Over 200 muscles have to work together to keep you standing upright and moving forward. Take one step, 200 muscles. Another 200 muscles. Another 200 muscles. Somehow we got the idea, I've got a purpose in my life and I don't need you all. I have a very distinct role and so do you in the body of Christ. But while we're focusing and pursuing the call of God and stepping into our identity in Christ, I must always keep it with this idea it's gonna take a team to build my maximum purpose and that there is a time for every purpose. You need to find a time and a team for your purpose. Who is your team and when is your time? The answers are us and now. We need to find and embrace our identity in the kingdom. And I've had to fight for and renew my mind towards and claim the promises of and confess out loud and meditate on the scriptures regarding who I am in Christ. And equally so, I'm going to have to embrace and fight for who I am in the kingdom and so are you. Abuse always occurs when you don't use something in accordance with the creator's intention. Whenever purpose is unknown, Abuse is inevitable. Say that again. If purpose is unknown, abuse is very likely, if not inevitable. And if you want to know the purpose of a creation, you don't ask the creation. You ask the creator. You go to the creation. What, why will you develop? I don't, I don't know. I can do this. I've got these passions, I've got this ability. Ah. So we've got people asking the creation, well, why do you think you were created? Well, I don't know. Don't ask the creation. Creation doesn't know. Ask the creator. You and I were created to function in Jesus, and if you're going to achieve supernatural and eternal fruit, um, you're going to have to come to your, your creator and ask him. Only in the mind of a creator is the purpose of the creation found. If you miss your purpose, you mangle the creation. Let me read this to you from Romans chapter one. Just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Romans, he says, these people decided, yeah, knowing God and, and, and loving him, that's not, that's not really important. They, they pursued not the creator to understand purpose. They pushed away from his purpose and they said, we're gonna go live our own lives. So God gave them over to have a depraved mind 
so that they do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness and evil and greed and depravity, the full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice, gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent and arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know that God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice him. If you don't understand the purpose, you start to get into depravity. If people walk away from a knowledge of God, this is where it goes. But you can't tell me, because just, just because people are in depravity, that that's why God meant it. God didn't mean it that way. And if you wanna come out of depravity, the best thing you can do is turn to God. By the way, this works for nations as well. You wanna come out of nonsense, out of ridiculousness, you have to turn your heart back to the Creator and you have to bow the knee as a nation and you have to call on Him because from Him is purpose and He sets nations in their time and place and He gives them the right and responsibility. But if you turn away from His purpose, the only thing that can happen is destruction and pain and the only way to come back into order is to come back under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If the devil is winning in our lives or our communities or our country, it's because the church has not done her job well. So what's our purpose? Our purpose is to show forth Jesus in all his beauty, to preach the good news, to show the kindness and the love of God. Our purpose is to reveal his grace and his dominion. Success for the church is that we look like Jesus and we make him known. That's our purpose. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Judgmental anger and constant criticism of the world are the lowest form of making him known. I swear this to you, there is purpose for you. And there is a future for you. How do you know, Greg? Well, you're sitting here. The fact that you are created in, in everything Jesus creates is endued with purpose. I know there is a purpose in God for you and you have still got time. It means there's still fruitful work for you to do and God never backed away from his dream for your life and he never will. And some, some people here are sitting saying, you don't know how far I've gone away. I promise you, I swear this to you, you'll come back to Jesus. In an instant, he restores the possibilities and the dreams for your life. And maybe there's some people who are sitting here and you've never known Jesus. Russell's gonna talk to you just for a minute. But your plans and your mistakes and your weaknesses have no power to change God's purposes for your life. How kind is God that he set it up like that for you. God's promises of your life are like the warranty that a manufacturer will give. They're not dependent on the environment. Guarantees are made by manufacturers, not by consumers. 
for too long the church has preached like it's the consumer's responsibility to make the warranty. <laughs> God made the warranty. You know what he said? I'm never, ever, not even close, not even a possibility, ever leave you or forsake you. Never back away from you. And your gifting and your calling are irrevocable. I'll never take them away from you. They're yours. Whether you use them or not, whether you want them or not, I will never back them away from them and I'll never leave you. And anybody who comes to me, I'll not turn away. That's the God we serve. How kind and beautiful he is. Don't look at your environment to try and decide whether God's promises are still valid for you or not. God's promises are not anchored in your environment, they're anchored in His character, which is immutable, never changes. There's some people in this room, this is a moment, pivotal for your life, because in this moment you realize God has not backed off any of the kind intentions that He has for your life, not a single one. And if you'll turn to Him and you'll pursue Him to discover who you are in His kingdom, what a ride you're in for. I'm gonna hand over to Russell.